Uh, Ruth Hill Elementary School is a school you saw there in the video. That's a, a, a short video about Shoe Day 2018, which is the second year that we've provided all of the students at Ruth Hill Elementary School in Noonan, about a mile away from our office. Uh, Ruth Hill Elementary School is a school about 82%, 80 to 82% free-introduced lunch, Title I school uh, in, in a not-great part of town. It's the second year that we've provided shoes for all of those kids, um, and where that started uh, was is pretty simple, actually. A little a couple summers ago, Clint and I sat in a room with some of the administrators and counselors at Ruth Hill, and uh, and in fact, one of my CCF alumni, Cassie Robinson, who is the PE coach at Ruth Hill Elementary, and uh, we sat around a, a table in a boardroom, and Cassie shared the story about a lot of kids in her classroom not having the appropriate shoes for PE. And so we went back into the gym, and we saw a bin of shoes that she had in her supply closet. And it was full of shoes uh, that had been donated by her older kids that had gone through uh, third, fourth, fifth grade and wanted to give back to the kids that were younger than them. And at that point, Clint said, hey, we're going to give every kid in the school a pair of shoes. I said, What? what are we doing? Um, And those of you that know Clint know that Clint uh, is many things, and one of those things is a dreamer. He's a visionary. Um, He does does and desires to do big things for the kingdom. But he saw a need, a very clear need, and we met that need. Um, As a church, for the last two years, Ruth Hill Elementary School is a public school in the Coweta County school system. Uh, I have the privilege of being there quite a bit, in my role as a community outreach pastor for Foundation. Um, I'm in that school a ton, uh, probably the equivalent of one full work day a week. And one of the things that we've learned from being in that school is that we can have influence in our community simply through a school system. And I'll talk about how we have that influence later, but the school, Ruth Hill, um, it really showed us a couple things. One, that we needed to build a church, and we knew this going in, but but we needed to build a church that was intentional about reaching children. That was intentional not just reaching children that looked like us, but intentional serving and reaching children of all types uh, within a three to five mile radius uh, of downtown Noonan. So that's what we've done. And the reason why we've done that is tucked away into Matthew chapter 13. It's tucked away into kind of a long list, uh, a long-running list of teaching that Jesus did. And in in this passage in particular, it's just one verse, but it's extreme. It's an extreme verse that strikes me every time I look at it. But it's Matthew 13, verse 44. I'm going to read it. It's not going to be on the screen, actually. You can hit that picture. Yeah, good job, Jeff. Good job. It says this, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. I'm going to read it again. It kind of sounds silly, or it kind of sounds kind of strange when you first read it, so I'm going to read it again. So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that 
field. Now, this man in the parable that Jesus uh, alludes to, he was willing to leverage everything that he had. Everything. He was willing to leverage everything that he had to own what he had just found. He was willing to leverage everything that he had become, give away everything that he had stored up to get the treasure that he had just found. He was willing to give it all. He was willing to give it all. He had intentionally built up his life to this moment. Imagine being that guy. I don't know what your context is, but imagine being that man who had built everything. In that culture, he probably had livestock and and fields and all sorts of wealth. And he's building and maturing this wealth. And then he found a treasure. And he got rid of all the wealth for the treasure. He leveraged everything that he was, everything that he had built, and everything that he had for the treasure. He was willing to trade in his life up to that point. He was willing to trade it in for something that he had just stumbled upon. And I think that's like us with Ruth Hill. That's like us with our our church, our new church in Noonan. We've been uh, in existence about 10 months. We're getting ready to have a big birthday celebration in January. And you guys are a huge part of getting us to that point. And I'm going to share some of what has come from your generosity in just a little while. But one of the things that I learned from this short little parable is that following Jesus is intense. Following Jesus is intense. This man in this parable sold everything for the treasure that he had found. And Jesus, what Jesus is saying is that the kingdom of heaven is like this man that sold it all for the treasure. And just to be honest today, it's hard for me to sell everything. It would be really hard for me to give, to be that man, to sell everything so that I could have the treasure that I stumbled across in a field. Following Jesus is intense. You know, I I remember um, moments, and you guys are probably the same, but I remember moments, little moments along the way that changed the direction of my life. I don't know about you, you probably have those five or six or ten or twelve moments that if you were to share your story with a friend, that changed your life. And we at Foundation get to be a part of a group of people that begin to be those moment makers in a young kid's life. I wish I had the picture of it, but there was a picture from the first shoe day in 2017 where we gave a pair of shoes to a kid named Jackson. And Jackson, I wish you could, you've probably seen it on our social media if you follow us on social media, but... Jackson's face, it's like he opened a box of shoes, and it was literally just a box of tennis shoes. But he opened up a box of shoes, and it was like that treasure was in the box of shoes. It was like that million dollars or everything the man sold was in that box. Uh, And it wasn't. It was just a pair of shoes. But he had not had a pair of new shoes in quite a while. And he, he took those pair of shoes proudly, and he went home. And he went home to his mom. His mom's name is Sarah. And he went home and gave the shoes to his mom and said, Mom, Jesus gave me a pair of shoes today. 
And of course, Sarah's like, um, son, Jesus does not go to school with you. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. And then the parents knew that shoes were coming from a church. But she said, uh, okay, Jackson, I'll listen. And that family um, has been with us since September of 2017. They're a part of our church. They're serving in our church. Jackson's uh, part of that church. Mom's been baptized. Kids are serving and, and learning in the kids' area every week. They're a part of the fabric of who we are. He got the treasure in the box. It's a little pair of shoes. I think several moments have led me to the point where I am right now at Foundation. I found that there's, there's pieces of the kingdom, little pieces of the kingdom, little pieces uh, of the treasure that we find along the way in our life. For me, I, I realized about five or six years ago, um, even in moments of standing on this stage and others like it all over the West Georgia region for the campus ministry that I used to serve, There was a little treasure, there was a little bit and piece of what God was trying to give to me that I wasn't picking up, that I wasn't ready to sell what I had, but I wasn't picking up the the treasure and the jewels and and the, the, the just greatness that God was ready to give me. About five or six years ago, I was thinking about this yesterday, about five or six years ago, I knew that God wanted me to do what I'm doing now. But I didn't want to do it then. You ever been in that spot? Where you knew that God had something for you. You knew that God had something for you. You knew that God wanted you to sell everything that you had and buy a field with the treasure in it. I knew that's what God wanted me to do. But I loved my campus ministry. I loved my college kids, and I was scared to death to do anything different. How many of you have ever been there? How many of you have ever been there? I knew that I wanted to be a part of a church and that God was pushing something in me to be a part of a church that was authentic and honest and vulnerable and risk-taking just like college students that I've been around for years. And so flash forward to fall of 2016. Uh, I got to hang out with Clint quite a bit, our lead pastor. I've known him for years. And we got to hang out for a little while and just different bits and pieces of time. And I saw what God was stirring in him to begin a church. And so in January, um, I started helping a friend. January of 2017, I started helping a friend. And I started meeting people that were a part of this team that would plant a church in January of 2018 in my hometown. And so I started picking up the pieces of the treasure in the field and putting them in my shoebox. And then I realized by April of 2017 that God was clearly calling me to be a part of the team at Foundation. But I wish that I, I wish that it was easy as I'm making it sound. To leave something that you had poured all of your blood, sweat, and tears into for 12 years, um, late nights, early mornings, uh, frantic nature of college life, for something different, 
for something that wasn't even really a thing. We were kind of incorporated. We didn't have an office. We didn't have a Sunday gathering. All we had was an ice cream truck. Like, literally, all we had was an ice cream truck. But I started picking up those pieces out of the field and seeing the treasure that God was willing to provide. And I think about the process... My wife and I think about this process of refining that we went through in about a year and a half. And that process led us to meeting a group of people that lived out the values of our church so clearly. And it was life-changing for us. And that process led us to the point where we quite literally were like the man in the field and we had found the treasure and it was, okay, well... We got we to gotta push all our chips in and we got to do this because this is what God wants us to do. So we met in May with our, of 2017 uh, with our management team of the church, which is our local leadership before we're old enough to have elders. We, we're not quite there yet. Uh, we're, not in, we're, we're learning. We're tracking towards what it means to develop a local body of elders. But we got through that meeting. My wife and I, they sent us to what's called assessment. An assessment through our church planning network, Stadia, is a grueling process. It's a six-month discovery process to determine if you're called, ready, and talented to be a part of a church plant team. It was crazy. So we pushed everything in. We're in the field, picking up everything, picking up the treasure, throwing it in the shoebox, and we uh, drained our savings account to be able to afford to travel to assessment not knowing whether or not we were going to pass through the process and be able to be hired to be a part of foundation. That doesn't even get to the point where we're raising three years of salary. That doesn't even get to that point, which we're halfway through <laughs> with that. But we, we obviously made it through assessment, and I stand here with you because the process that happened needs to be shared. And there's a verse that I found in the process of this refining, the process of picking things up out of the field, the treasure, and giving everything that we had. There's a verse that we kept coming to. And it was, it was interesting because it was all over the place. It was in devotions that we were reading. It was on friends' tattoos that we were meeting. And it was just crazy. This verse was showing up everywhere, literally everywhere. So Exodus 14, 14. This is a ver- verse says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still or silent. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. I love this passage because it's in the middle of a bunch of craziness that Moses is going through in the Exodus. If you've not read Exodus, it's a very challenging book right after Genesis in the Old Testament. But in, deep down, buried kind of in between uh, in between some passages of craziness, we see this, this promise that the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Now, for me, that was huge. Because if you know me, I know I've met some of you over the years, but you know it's usually only in this setting, and I'm usually standing on the stage, and I'm usually talking to you, and I get to talk to you for a little bit afterwards. But if you know me, know me, you know that I cannot be still. I cannot be still. And if I am still, 
my kids are all over me, so it's probably a defense mechanism uh, for me to not, if I'm still, then my kids are going to be attached to me, so I just get up and move quite a bit. And so God, my wife's worse than I am when it comes to this. So God kind of knocked us down a couple notches, challenged us to be still, and put us in an environment of people that would care for us while we were in the still stage. And I have a question for you today, and it's pretty simple. My barrier was a lack of faith. My barrier for selling everything and getting the treasure in the field, buying the field, my barrier was a lack of faith, and I just couldn't sit still. I believed that I just needed to do everything. When we go back to that parable, when we think about that parable, it's a simple question. What's your barrier? What's your barrier to being like the guy in the parable? It says the kingdom of heaven is like this man that found a treasure and, and sold all that he had to buy the field where he buried the treasure. What's your barrier right now? Because we put those barriers in front of us, God doesn't. What's the barrier? Is he growing in you, is God growing in you the ability to abandon what becomes your barrier? Because we're good at boxing ourselves in, we're good at the barrier. We're good at building walls and making excuses. Because when God desires us to move, like, oh, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I don't have the money for that. I don't have the patience for that. I don't have the time for that. What is your barrier that God's trying to push you through? My barrier, like I said, was lack of faith. And it's tough for a pastor to stand on a stage and talk about not having faith. But I didn't have any for a long time. I told you I knew that five or six years ago I was supposed to be doing something like this. I knew it. But I was scared to death. What if I couldn't start a church? What if I didn't have the skills? What if I didn't have the knowledge? What if I didn't have the team? What if I didn't have the money? What if I couldn't pay for my family to to live? And God just slowly knocked those barriers down that I'd created. I think that Jesus also begins to change our definition of treasure when we begin to think like this. Somebody was praying earlier, I didn't catch quite the exact words that was said, but to allow this church to continue to be uh, the feet, the hands and feet of Jesus in the community that you're in. And I've seen that for years out of this place. This is the 13th year in a row I think I've preached here at, at least once. I see it in you guys. I see it in what happens. Jesus changes the definition of treasure. He did it for the man in the parable. He shared the story about the man whose definition of treasure changed because his definition of treasure was everything he had up until the point where he sold it all. And then the field with the treasure in it became his treasure. So this is how our definition of foundation of treasure has changed. When we talk about outreach, we're going to be a church that completely 
puts all our chips on the table, and everything we, gonna, we do focuses on people in our community. That's it. Our outreach strategy is simple. It's the next slide there, Jeff. You got it. We'll be consistent. Um, and Clint and I put words to this six or eight months into me actually working. So we didn't know what it would be, but our outreach strategy is simple. We're going to be consistent. What that means is we're going to find something, and we're going to do it on a regular basis. We chose Ruth Hill Elementary School to be our hub of outreach in Noonan. Because um, Clint, his wife is a teacher. My wife is a teacher. There are tons of teachers on our team at church. There are tons of ways to get into the community in Coweta County through the school system. So we chose to be consistent in a school. The second one is that we will be high impact. There's a lot of people that have asked us why we serve primarily at Ruth Hill. The reason is simple, because we want to be high impact. We believe that Jesus has called disciples to be a lot of things, and one of those things is to be high impact, to be focused, intentional in one spot until it ripples out from there. What we've seen is pretty incredible from that, and I'll share it with you in just a second. And then our third thing is our goal is to simply serve. That's it. We don't do what we do in the community so that people come to church. That is so weird for people to understand. That is so hard. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with pastors in Noonan that ask me why I do what I do. Because well, Jesus just told us to. And most conversations are like, but, I mean, there's a string attached, right? Like, no, no, there's no string attached. There's a girl that works in the uh, toy store just up the street from our office in downtown Noonan. If you've ever been to that toy store, it's awesome. It's like antique toys, tons of really cool comic books. And I, I try not to take my kids in there because uh, we'll buy all of it. And so uh, I took this particular business, a box of donuts, about a year ago. And, and she, this girl was very standoffish behind the counter. And she said, what's the, what's the catch? I said, there's no catch. We just want to love you. And we thank you for what you do for the kids in our city that come into the store on a weekly basis. Thank you. She said, what's the catch? I was like, look, if you look up the website that's on the stamp on top of the box, it's our website. If, that, if you call that a catch, you, you can just have your string attached to it if you want to. I don't care. If you're just going to be this antagonistic, you can, just, you can have your string attached. I didn't say it quite like that. But so the next time I came in, I had another box of donuts, and um, she smiled because the box of donuts the last time was good um, because we're not going to bring anything in that's not. And so... Then the next time I came in, I didn't have anything. So we had a conversation. The next, thing I came, the next time I came in, um, I had a video game system to sell back to her. And so this constant, consistent, high-impact relationship has started with a girl named Michaela that has not been to church yet. But I know that she knows that she can trust us. She's right up the street. Soon she's going to get another box of donuts. The last thing is that outreach for us is not a recruitment strategy. We don't do what we do to get people to come and sit in our chairs at the high school. And that's just strange. Uh, but that's, that's why we, people are ultimately our destination. People are not a number. People are what we're, what we're going to and we're taking the gospel 
with us in every context that we are in. Some things that have happened over the last maybe 10 months or so to share with you guys as an update. The first one is crazy. It's not going to be on the screen. Uh, and this is actually not correct, but it's close to correct. We've had 159 outreach events in the community with our ice cream truck. We've given away over 37,563 pieces of ice cream or popsicles from our truck. We've given, uh, we've, we've had volunteers just on our ice cream truck serve for a total of 1,059 volunteer hours on the ice cream truck. Just the ice cream truck. We've done other things in the community, but just the ice cream truck. 21 community agency partnerships. What that means is that with the ice cream truck or with other various ways that we've served in the community, we have partnered with 21 nonprofit organizations in Noonan in less than a year, which is crazy. Um, it's, and it's crazy that there's that many in such a small place. We've given over 900 pairs of shoes away. Uh, last year, we gave Christmas presents to every single at-risk kid at Ruth Hill uh, in 2017. We've been a part of six parades in downtown Noonan. We helped launch the Noonan Strong movement when the, the craziness of last April happened with the, the neo-Nazi rally in downtown. Uh, we do significant teacher care in the public school system. Um, we, we provided food for um, Ruth Hill teachers over the course of the whole year and all 200-something faculty members at Noonan High School. Uh, we had our bookmobile, at, which was cool. Uh, the folks at Ruth Hill, the librarian at Ruth Hill, did this thing where she, um, if her kids don't read during the summer, if her kids don't read during the summer, they regress when they come back to school in the school year. So she said, hey, Jason, can we turn your ice cream truck into a mobile library for the summer? I was like, yep. I don't even know how we're going to do it, but yes, we'll do it. Um, that's typically what happens with us. Um, I volunteer for something, and then our team figures out how to make it happen, and so that's what happened. So for seven weeks of the summer, um, our ice cream truck was a mobile library with four or five rolling bookshelves and a bunch of teachers and a team from our church that every stop along the way, um, kids got a book and a popsicle or a book and an ice cream sandwich to encourage them to continue reading during the summer. Our kids, uh, first director Robin, she uh, coordinated an art and science camp at Ruth Hill this year that served almost 50 kids in the community. Uh, it's kind of like our vacation Bible school, but we don't have a place to have vacation Bible school, so this is what she did for that. And then we had a basketball camp as well that served about the same number of kids. Uh, so far, in about 10 months, we've had 30 baptisms, which is incredible. Um, the majority of those baptisms are adults, which you don't see very often. Um, it's been pretty incredible. And the stories that have come from that, um, Jackson, his mom, Sarah, that I told you about earlier, she was one of those first baptisms. Um, we've become a church that is one-third, uh, one-third of our total number of people uh, are under the age of 10 years old. Um, and we know that that's important because 85%, 85% of people come to faith between the ages of 4 and 14. That's why work in the public school system is important. That's why work um, in, with kids and for kids is important. This has only been the last, you know, eight, nine months. A few weeks ago, Clint and I stood on stage and shared a new vision for our church, and this is something that you can pray for us as we jump into it. 
we have decided to, as our church would be the single largest source of mentors for at-risk kids at one single location in Coweta County. And when we rolled this out to our people at the end of September, and I was kind of nervous because most people don't understand what mentoring is, and I've been the only one from our church doing it for a year. But the way that Communities and Schools, which is an organization in Coweta County that helps the school system, the way they define it is an adult having lunch with a kid or spending 30 minutes a week with a kid in an at-risk situation uh, once a week. So those kids are either at risk because they have uh, some sort of grade issue, some sort of behavior issue, or or some sort of um, attendance type issue. And so we we, uh, rolled that out, and God... uh, we, we had such a line where people were signing up that we couldn't keep up with it. Um, we, we had in one day, we had over 25 people say, you know what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Uh, f- we've already done a training for one of them. We have another training tomorrow night. But our goal, it doesn't stop there. We've got over 30 people from our church that we're about to unleash into a public school to sit down with kids Um, and build relationships uh, on a weekly basis, which is incredible. But what we've done is challenge the other churches in our community, and over the course of the next three to five years, we want every school, all 31 schools in Coweta County, to have a church that partners with them through mentoring, to take those at-risk kids and pour into them. Not because we want people to show up on Sunday, but because people are a destination in the community. It's tough, though. It's tough to do. Because we have this treasure, but we have everything in our life that has taken us to that treasure and noticing that treasure. So we have to make a choice. Do we, do we push everything that we have to the center of the table and say, God, I want the treasure, which is you, I want the treasure, which is Jesus, pushing my life. Do I want that treasure, or am I comfortable where I am? From from everybody that's a part of Foundation, uh, to the people that were part of it before me, uh, the people that just came for the first time um, today, uh, we just want to say thank you. Um, There's tons of life change that has happened over the course of the last 10 months that you guys were a part of. And don't, I don't want you to think that you're a small part of it. You're a huge part. Being there to visit, being there to encourage, uh, being a part of our partner churches, you guys are a huge part of what's happening just about 30 minutes from here. So I want to say thank you. But it wouldn't be possible, and it's not possible because of our effort. It's not possible because of anything that we do that's special. It's because of God desiring for a new church to be exactly where we are. And it's also kind of strategic to some degree. But we know that the largest evangelical tool in North America today to reach people for Jesus is the start of a new church. Plain and simple, that's the largest tool that we have. And you guys are a part of that. Uh, not, not there every Sunday morning a part of it, but you're a part of it. You're just as much of a part of it as the people that are sitting at the auditorium at noon in high school 
right now. So I want to say thank you. And I want to pray for you guys as a church, for you guys. What's next? It's probably not ice cream truck, uh, but what's next? How can we encourage you guys as you move forward and continue to the next steps for you? I was looking at the bulletin a little while ago, man. There's a lot of missions that are supported from what happens today through your faith promise initiative. So I want to I pray to close, and I want to say thank you from our whole team at Foundation. We'd love to have you guys join us again. Our birthday's coming up. Um, you guys are a huge part of that. We're planning a huge shindig for our first birthday, so I'd love for you guys to be there. But let me pray, and uh, just I'll hand it over to Joel. God, uh, in the quiet here in this room, God, in the, in the stillness, I just pray that you continue to poke and prod and refine who you've made us to be. God, you've given each one of us a special gift. You've given each one of us a, a special place in the kingdom. And God, I pray that today, in this moment, that we realize what that place is and why you've equipped us to do what we can do. Because there's a world right outside those doors that desperately needs you. And you have given us the task of carrying the gospel as we read earlier before communion, you've given us the task of carrying the gospel, the most important message ever to a sick and dying and hurting world. And everybody's context is different for sure. But the mission doesn't change. The mission is to lead people to Jesus and make disciples and do that through unleashing the kingdom of God, into our communities where we are right now. God, we thank you for Cross Plains and the history of rich stewardship and faith that this church has had over the years. God, we pray that you be with Joel and Jeff and their leaders here as they continue to move forward in the future that you have planned out for them. Help them to continue to be an example here in this community. God, we thank you for their generosity. We pray that as you uh, lay on their hearts what they need to do for their faith promise giving, that you help them to be uncomfortable so that other people may come to know who you are from their generosity. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus who makes everything possible. In his name I pray, amen.